So we have been doing our series on work and thinking about our work from, from a spiritual perspective, and I hope that this series has been a blessing to you. Perhaps it's one of the first times uh, that you have been thinking uh, about your work from a spiritual perspective. Uh, but this morning, I wanted to have Charlie come and share. Uh, if you don't know Charlie, Charlie is such a gift and blessing to, to the ministry uh, of our church in uh, so many ways. Um, and Charlie, could you just describe... Uh, the, the work that you do out here in Los Angeles. Yeah, for sure. Um, to those who don't know me, hi. <laughs> um, I work in the entertainment industry, uh, which a good chunk of people in Los Angeles uh, happen to be in. Uh, I work specifically as a post-production coordinator, which if you're unfamiliar, uh, post-production is the part of film where we edit it um, afterwards. I work for NBC Universal, so over by the Universal lot underneath the massive minion you may have seen from the highway. <laughs> um, and I work with NBC specifically in their marketing department. Um, and it's uh, an interesting job, but it is kind of fun to go to a studio every now and then um, and pretend that you're important. You you are you are important. Okay, but how, um, am I how, digging for compliments? What? How, how do you how do you see God in, in your day to day work? For sure. Um, so I, I think one of the things that is very interesting about the entertainment industry is that we have so much influence on so many people, no matter what we do. And I get to see people, and anytime I even mention what my job is, it's kind of exciting to see like the joy and interest light up in people's faces and say, like, oh, what do you work on? Oh, I watched that show. Tell me more about it. And to think that people volunteer their time to spend talking about what something that you do or they volunteer even their spare time like oh after my work I go and enjoy the fruits of your work <laughs> is something that is not a given and I think it is very important so I think very carefully about the 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 products that we choose to make and the things that we do in an industry because everything no matter your intention often comes with a message behind it so I hope that the message is that we are working hard on are actually putting good into the world as opposed to the opposite. Um, and then on top of that, I also think that I I have a very, I feel like this is a massive uh, industry and sometimes I feel like my job is very small as just like a coordinator uh, in this post-production department. However, I, I think it, it helps for me to even have a background in growing up in the church and knowing that there are no small parts and that um, this this role is integral to the people directly around me. And I've even had on several occasions, not to like, you know, continue digging for compliments, um, but I have on occasions had my bosses say to me like, oh, and this is Charlie. He is a joy to be around at the office. And I love having him here because he reminds me that the things that we do aren't that serious. And I'm like, okay, well, you could have also said that I'm like a hard worker and that's fine. But I love that that's the thing that they see in me first and foremost and that's what they want to introduce to people and let me tell you that's not a given whatsoever for the people in the entertainment industry we're not all nice all the time so I'm glad that at least I feel in my role that God has um, 
literally made me, okay, not literally made me a light, but like figuratively made me a light to the people around me so that they can find some lightness in the work. And at the end of the day, it's very nice to say that, hey, we're not necessarily saving lives. Um, we aren't making something super serious, but I do think that we're making something that is important. Definitely, that, that's awesome. And uh, I, I wanted to have, have you share, first of all, because you're so uh, representative of, of many people that move to Los Angeles for various things. There's things in like the industry that I didn't even know existed that people move here for like, oh, I had no idea. So you're very representative of people who are in that space. But one thing that I, that I love about you is that you don't just do your nine to five, like you've written a musical. And uh, Nick, I know, helped with the music on that. Uh, and uh, just like, it's, it's so inspiring because so many people, I think, move here with some of that intention to, to write something. And it's hard. It's hard to produce. It's hard after your time is up to like, you know, spend more time working on a musical or doing something. Like, how, how would you talk about your passion kind of beyond your, your nine to five job and how you get the energy to do that? Oh my gosh, how do I get the energy? I do not know. I think it is very interesting and I hope that if you have creative people in your life that you truly cherish them because there is this very... Uh, the, the idea of work, and I'm very thankful also for this series, is that it's something that I think about every day and whenever something bad happens in the world or anything, I think, am I doing enough? Am I actually contributing in any way possible? And it's as... Brian says is that at the end of my day, I do go home and I work on my own stuff. And then I have my music that I'm doing and my writing that I'm doing. I used to do a lot of cinematography. I come and help at the church. I do all these things because I want to, and that's how I'm contributing. And I think of some of the lives and the career paths that we that people choose, especially like this city runs on like people who are not where they want to be quite yet. Like think of every restaurant you've ever been to. If you've noticed that all of your waiters are beautiful, it's because they're all <laughs> actors. And to think of this idea that somebody is like joyously coming to the city knowing that for the majority of what is going to be their career path, choosing to be settling for something else so that they can like earn enough to exist in this city is baffling to me. And it is truly uh, a desire that I'm trying to fight to work towards. And I'm trying to apply that towards some of the other things. And I, I know that I might not ever, there is no guarantee that anyone will ever get the spotlight or get the funds needed to make the things that they want. But I'm trying very hard to not make that stop me from um, what I feel is a calling truly from God to create and tell the stories that are needed to be told. Like even if I may share, earlier this, like on Friday, um, in light of the Roe v. Wade decision, someone reached out to me on Instagram, one of my friends from my old churches, actually one of my friend's dads, but we're close, we're cool. Um, and he said specifically about me, I hope one day you emerge in a position to present narratives on film that bear witness and maybe influence. I write this hoping to provide some encouragement in case some earlier circles might be giving you negative feedback. And I, I just think that for people who I don't even think about necessarily on a daily basis are still seeing me and still think of me and still hope for me 
And I think that that's something that I'm taking away and I hope that you guys take away too, is like people watch us and we, and they, inf and, and everything that we do. And if we choose to go home, like I made that musical, like what, three, two years ago now. And it's cool to have people still come up to me and talk about it as though that matters to them, even though they technically have never heard it. Um, <laughs> I've heard some of it. Next heard some of some, it. But yeah, I need, I need more. But it's just like, it, it's amazing to me being like, oh, like even just two years ago, I made a song about Juneteenth and people to this day come up to me and talk about how that influences them. And I think, I think about something that I'm like, I did that. I didn't think it would still be in a zeitgeist. And, uh, and I find that very honoring. And I think I try to think about the other things that I do, even outside of my creativity and the things that I don't consider necessarily work is still creating this impact. And I try to think about that. So I hope that somewhat answers your question. I know it was a little bit of a, a winding path, but that's how all of us creatives think. We are <laughs> endlessly in this loop of a, what can we do? What are we doing? How are we impacting? And I think if we all think in a little bit like that, we would actually have a slightly more considerate world. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Charlie, for sharing. And I would, I would highly recommend checking out the song that he wrote for Juneteenth. That You can find it on, on his Instagram. Just look up Charlie Malcolm, and you can find it. It's been part of, of what I, when I have a, the day of remembrance on Juneteenth, and so I, I know it would be, be an encouragement to you. So thank you, Charlie. And again, as, as we're trying to think of like the different um, ways that uh, people in our church, in the in entertainment industry, in all different ways are, are represented because it matters. And I know, I, I think it's interesting what he said, the idea of like you kind of settling for something, you know, and it's kind of always being in that space and how difficult that, that, that is. So I'm thankful for, for him sharing and I'm thankful for the ways that uh, I've been challenged to think about my work and the ways that I hope that you have also. Uh, this morning, I want to start talking about a guy named Andres Martinez, who uh, wrote a book um, called 24-7, Living It Up and Doubling Down. And what he wrote about in this book is he went to his publisher. He'd had some books that were reasonably successful before. And so he went to his publisher and said, please give me a $50,000 advance, and I'm going to go uh, to, to Las Vegas and um, just basically spend that as quickly as I possibly can. And um, so he was given a permission to, to do that. And um, there are, I imagine, many stories that I didn't actually read the book, so I can't say that I can recommend it. But there's a part in the book uh, that was in another book that I was reading uh, about how he, at one point, uh, goes into a, a club that we would refer to as a gentleman's club, even though I feel like that's a really nice way to put it. And um, as, as he was there, he walks into the bathroom, and there's a, a man there there named Joe who's reading his Bible. And he says, what, what on earth are you doing here? And Joe was a, a minister in addition to doing this work, cleaning the bathroom. And he said, I think this is one of the best places that God could have possibly put me. And I'm a minister, but I think this is a place where I get to minister more than ever to people. Joe had had trouble with addiction and had been in prison for a while. And while he was in prison, um, he found Jesus at his lowest point. And then his thought for the rest of his life was that he wanted to help people find Jesus in theirs. I think we have an idea about what is a space where you can worship God and what's a space that you can help people connect to God. And that is certainly not one that would possibly be at the top of our list. 
But if you live on mission for God, you can do things in unexpected places in unexpected ways. I love how Charlie shared about how people introduce him and just say, he's, he's a great guy. He's just so, so positive and, and such a, a good force. Like it, it makes a difference how we live. And generally when we think about mission, we think about like a, a faraway place and, and serving a people in a faraway land. And of course that is important and that has, has mattered to our church and it makes a difference in the world. But especially if we live in a city like Los Angeles, we have a chance to live on mission every single day and to make a difference in the lives of the people around us in profound and significant ways. And part of that, I think, is by thinking about our context differently. Because oftentimes, when we think about our work, I think we think of it in in competitive terms. And hopefully, like, as you grow a little older, it gets out of you a little bit. I know that happened uh, to me. There was a a guy who I had graduated from seminary with, and he got this really great job at this church. And I was like, I'm a better preacher than him. At least I thought that at the time. And I I remember just having that feeling. I was talking about him to somebody else. And the person said to me, it's one of those like moments of truth bomb in your life. And he said, Brian, it sounds like you're jealous of him. And I said, no, I'm not. I'm fine. turns out I actually was. I mean, this happens in all of our, our ways, right? You can look at people in, in the Hollywood industry and think, how, how is she so far ahead? Or how did, how did he get that thing uh, to happen? It's easy for us to think about it from this competitive uh, perspective. But I hope that when it comes to our work, we could all like mature a bit in how we think of it. Which brings me to an article I saw this week. Uh, it was interesting as you were talking and thinking about work, there's things come up everywhere. There's an article about uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who's a fascinating guy and has some really interesting thoughts. I would recommend reading uh, his blog from time to time because he's a really interesting guy and has some great perspectives. But uh, he has held the NBA scoring title for the last 38 years. And it's expected that with health, LeBron James will break that record this year. And if you're a Laker fan, you know that with health is a big qualifier there uh, because LeBron unfortunately hasn't been super healthy over the last couple of years. We're hoping um, that, that he is and they maybe trade Russell Westbrook. I don't know. But um, Kareem was approached about LeBron breaking this record. He's had it for 38 years. And I love what Kareem says about this. I don't see records as personal accomplishments, but more as human achievements. We all win when a record is broken. And if LeBron breaks mine, I'll be right there to cheer him on. I love that perspective. Because again, he's had this for 38 years. And he basically says, if he breaks it, I'm going to be the first one to give him a hug when it happens, because it's about human achievements and accomplishments. It's a wider perspective than just me individually trying to do this for myself. And that, I think, is a way that we could all think about our work, whatever it happens to be, because whatever your work is, it, it makes a difference and it makes meaning for people. John Gardner says this this way. He says, the society which scorns excellence in plumbing because plumbing is a humble activity and tolerates shoddiness in philosophy because philosophy is an exalted activity will have neither good plumbing nor good philosophy. Neither its pipes nor its theories will hold water. And and I love, I love uh, that quote. It's a little cheesy at the end, but I I love that quote. There was a a Sunday uh, a few months ago where like I I was preaching up here and as I'm preaching, like it was clear it didn't matter. Like there was just a bunch of people running around. It's because there's some issue with our plumbing. And I didn't know that until the end, but I just remember seeing panic in everybody's eyes and things were just going, going crazy as, as we were having the Sunday morning experience together. 
The, the things that, that, that you do, the, the gifts that you give the world, that they matter and they make a difference no matter what it is that you're doing, whether you're a philosopher or a plumber or, or a teacher or a preacher, it, it makes a difference. And the gifts that, that you individually bring to any sort of situation, it really is necessary. I learned this a couple weeks ago because Austin preached for us and um, he did a great job. He's with the kids right now, so I can brag on him a little bit, so don't tell him. Um, but um, he, he had a chance. And when someone is guest preaching for us, I will say, you can preach within my series or you can do a one-off sermon, like whatever you would choose to do. And sometimes a person will pick to do a one-off. Sometimes they'll pick to do it within the context of the series. And I'll say, okay, if you're going to do within the series, here's a couple things I'll be talking about kind of leading up to it, but go ahead and, and do what you want to do. And Austin did, did a great great job he chose to talk about work. And I loved how he shared about uh, the thousands of different jobs that are available to people in, in our world today as compared to like the biblical amount of jobs that there were. And then how he ended with the uh, brother Lawrence, who's a really fantastic example of this. And I will say that the jealousy has been beaten out of me over the years. So as, as he, as he share those things. It's like, wow, that was really great. I should have thought of that. You know, so I, that was really, and just his perspective on this sermon series was, was great. And I was just, again, like when you think about whatever it is that you are, are bringing into the world, like you have a unique perspective that's going to make a difference. And the way that you see something, it matters. The way that I see something matters. And the, the ways that you can participate can make a difference in the world, if I think we try to hold um, our relationship with God in the right space, because if we can approach whatever we have, whatever gifts we have in that way, I think um, it helps us to think of it from a larger perspective. I can't help but think of the story of Joseph, uh, which is a, a long story in the back end of the book of Genesis. And uh, Joseph has a, a pretty incredible life with a lot of twists and turns. Uh, he is the favorite of his, all his dad's sons. And uh, at one point, uh, he tells his brothers, just FYI, I had a dream and you guys were all bowing down to me, uh, which is something you probably just don't want to share if you've had that dream. If you ever have that dream, you probably shouldn't share it. Uh, and then like, he gets this amazing technical or dream coat, which there's a musical about. And he is like the favorite son. And so his brothers get a little upset about this. And, you know, rightfully so. This is a little like braggy guy. I don't know why he keeps sharing and having all this stuff happen to him. And so his brothers decide we should kill him. And one of the brothers is like, no, 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 that's a little too harsh. We should just sell him into slavery. It's really kind of the brother, right? And so they do that. They, they sell him into slavery. And so he goes and he, he finds himself eventually uh, in prison and is in Egypt, the most powerful nation in the world. And again, there's all these twists and turns that happen in this story. Uh, but one, one part that really isn't the sermon for today, but that I really love about his story is there's this consistent drumbeat in Joseph's life where I think it's five times the scriptures say this about Joseph's life. Next slide, there we go. The Lord was with him. Um, he showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. And this is this, again, like five different times, the Lord was with him. And I don't really like the end of that sentence, to be honest, if I'm thinking the Lord is with me, right? The Lord is with me. So I got like broken out of prison. I didn't have to be there anymore. And the Lord is with me. Like, eventually I overturned the prison. Like, no, 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 the Lord is with him. And just showed him some favor in the eyes of the prison warden. I think it's interesting how we think about, and I know right now it seems like our lives can feel a little bit out of control as we are thinking about, um, you know, complex issues. And 
I would just say to all of us that even as you maybe find yourself in that space, that the Lord is with you, that God has important things for you to do. Like God has important things for, for you to participate in and, and be part of. And that continues to be the story of Joseph's life, even though there's some really dark turns in it. But he remains faithful and, and continues to do what God has called him to. So he gets um, a reputation for being really good at interpreting dreams. And eventually... Pharaoh, um, who is the most powerful man in the world at that point, he has a troubling set of dreams that he needs interpreting. And so somebody hears that Joseph can do that. And so they send for Joseph. And this is what happens. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph. And he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he'd shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream and no one can interpret it, but I've heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, in my dream, I was standing on the bank of the Nile and it just goes on and on. There's a long thing about a dream there. But I just think about this moment and the context of it. Joseph is in prison and, you know, the Lord is with him, but that doesn't seem to be all that helpful to him. And he comes and he stands before Pharaoh. They clean him up a little bit, let him have a shave. But he stands before the most powerful man in the world. And I love how his, his knee-jerk response as Pharaoh says, all right, I have a dream, let me tell it to you, is I get this stuff from God. This is a bold statement for, for a lot of reasons. First, Pharaoh believed himself to be God. So to say, hey, there's another God, just FYI, it's dangerous. In the chapter before this, Pharaoh has a baker beheaded. So I mean, this, is like, this is not somebody to be messed with. And also, Joseph, like he's gained this reputation, you know, for a reason, I think when I have a little bit of success with something, that's like the most dangerous thing that can happen. <laughs> you know, just, just a little ounce of success. You're like, oh, I think I can do this, right? Yeah, you know, I've, I've, I've got this. You know, Jesus took the wheel for a while, but now I'm good. Like I can keep going from, from this moment. It's, it's easy when you have just a little bit of success. But I love that Joseph is just like, all right, I can do it for you, but let me tell you where the source is. I'm going to put this in, in this bigger perspective, one that you're not aware of. But let me tell you that there's, there's another God, there's a God that I serve who has granted me this gift. And that is where I get this gift of interpretation from. And Joseph ends up sharing his life, turns out pretty well, eventually his brothers come back and don't even recognize him. It's a really fascinating story. But I just this moment, I think it's one that we face all the time. Are we going to give credit and, and glory? Are we going to use the gifts that, that we have to think of it in a larger perspective, to think about the, the mission work that you are called to do in the world? Because we're missionaries to Los Angeles, a city where it can be hard to, to share your faith at times, but it's amazing what can happen if we keep bringing a different sort of perspective to people. 
And in the book that we've been reading, I hope you've been reading with us. If not, that's okay. You can get it now. It's called Every Good Endeavor by Tim Keller. Uh, He gives a bit of a larger framework because I think, unfortunately, it seems like churches generally talk about work like work so you can tithe. Like, we love that. Um, And then hopefully then you could use your gifts like to help out at at VBS or something like that. But actually, there's a much larger way for us to think about it. I'm going to send that out in my email this week. If you're not on our email list, let me know. I'd love to uh, get you on there. But I'm going to send out this, this long list that Tim Keller gives of all the different ways that we could see it, partnering with, with God in our work. And it's, it's very exhaustive. He does a great job because I want us to think about it from, from this larger perspective and think about it differently than the way that we often do. Because when we think about our work, often it's like having this, this ambition that is, you know, somewhat for ourselves, if we're honest. Somewhat from like, okay, we, we kind of want to make a name for ourselves. We want to do this so it makes a difference in the world. But I, I love the way that Paul writes about this in, in Thessalonians. In fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia, yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. That's not generally how we think about ambition. <laughs> You should mind your own business and work with your hands, something that I don't follow all that well, but just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders, so that you'll not be dependent on anybody. Work hard. Keep showing up. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet, faithful life. Because you're in a story, as Charlie shared, a story that's bigger than you. And there's no small parts in faithful, consistent work matters. And there are things that you can learn during periods of success, perhaps, in your work. There are things that you can learn from periods of of failure. Just because something, you know, negative might be happening, just as in the story of Joseph, it it doesn't mean that that God has, has turned on you. I think about my job, and here's here's a picture of me when I first started as a minister of this church. Sam, Sam Holland was not meaning to make a joke about it, but she's like, this is, who is that? This is like an old-timey picture. And I'm like, no, that's actually, it's just been that long. <laughs> over, over my shoulder, uh, you, you see my Explorer, which is no, no longer with us. Uh, this, this was taken at the Adkins house, uh, the, the first Easter that I was ministering at this church. Uh, for those that don't know, I, was, I grew up at, at this church, and then uh, I went to do uh, my school uh, years and came back. And when I first started, I worked for a year specifically with young adults ministry. And uh, after that year, George Little, who was the preacher here and did so much good work to pave the way and was so kind in the transition of my ministry, he uh, moved back to Australia uh, because his wife's family uh, was, was from there and they needed to get back there for different reasons. And they gave this guy the job preaching here. I was a little older when I got the preaching job, just a little bit older uh, than this, but I've been here in November. I'll be here for 14 years. The average minister is at a church for about two and a half. 
And that says way more about you than it does about me uh, because I've made some mistakes. I've done things that uh, I wish I, there's a few lessons I wish I could like go back in a time machine and tell that guy. I uh, just pop out of the Ford Explorer and be like, Brian, I got some things to share. Uh, but I, I'm so, so thankful uh, for, for this church and, and the ways that it, it has formed me. I think about how I, I was a, a single guy when we did a young adults ministry event uh, for the first time that was kind of an area-wide event. I met my wife, Mandy, there. And um, she was very unconvinced at first. And it took, we actually still call it the text message from God. Uh, I uh, was, I, I we had been on a couple dates, but she wasn't still too sure. And there was this um, other guy who was interested in her and she was driving on the freeway and she just said, a prayer. She said, God, I, I just, I kind of don't know what to do. Like this Brian guy, I'm just not really sure. Uh, and then this other guy, I just, I kind of, I kind of don't know. And then literally she said, as she let those words get out of her mouth, she got a text and she literally like was like, oh, she was startled by it. And it was from me. So God hooked me up right there. God's like, this guy, this guy needs a little bit of help. So uh, that, that, Time, all that time in seminary paid off after a while. Um, but <laughs> I, I, just, I just think about like who, the lessons that you all have taught me. And it's, it's really, it's, it's overwhelming to, to think about the, the way that I, I've hopefully grown and learned, hopefully been a, a blessing to you. But it isn't because I'm primarily a pastor that you've taught me so much. Like it's, because of your friendships. It's, it's because of, of serving alongside you. It's because of, of just getting to know you and the community uh, that we have here. And there are things that have changed me forever, whether I, I stay here for another 30 years, which I'd love to, or maybe that's not God's plan. Maybe I go do something else. I don't know what that all is going to look like, but because of like, my work, my life has, has been changed. And you all are, are a part of that. I'm so thankful for that. So I hope that, that you think about your work from this, this broader perspective that God's doing some big things in your heart and in your life. And you don't always know. I don't always know. And again, I wish there were some things that I could have told myself back then. But I think if in reality, I would just be like really vague and weird because that's what happens when people from the future come. But I, I know that this place has been such a blessing for me and, and my family. You guys have, have watched uh, me grow and have a couple kids now. And it's just been so fun to, to partner with you guys. As I mentioned, I'm single dadding it this weekend. And so Debbie Joe did Nora's hair this morning. Don't give credit to me um, at all uh, for that. And I'm just so thankful for, for the ways that y'all are, are a blessing to me and the things that uh, you give me the opportunity to do because of the, the work that you all do and the ways that you contribute. Like you give me a chance to, to think about this stuff uh, for a long period of time. You give me a chance to be able to sit um, in the hospital on Friday with Carrie Williams and, and, and to, to pray with her and, and to be with her and to sit a few weeks ago with Andrea Beatty, a member of our church who passed away. And I just, it's such a blessing to have the gift of this work. And as I look at that picture, as Sam said, it does look old timey because things have changed. But I'm so thankful for the ways that you have helped me to become the person that I am. And it's not because I'm a preacher, but just because of the years that we spent together. So I hope that you recognize that what you do, it makes a difference and it matters. 
And sometimes it feels insignificant and sometimes you're wondering, you know, is this, is this really making a difference? But I love how Paul says that. Make it your ambition to lead a, a quiet and faithful life because it adds up. We're going to worship now. But I hope that as, as we stand and sing, you think about your work. And again, I thought that Kareem's thought was, was so helpful. Just, it's not that we're in this competition with each other. I'm going to be the first one who's going to cheer him on. Because it's about being someone who blesses the world. Let's pray. God, may we recognize that we are all missionaries and that we bring unique gifts to the table. And may we try to think of our work in the context of you and in the context of your love. We are, are so blessed to be in community together. And I pray that we would identify first with, with you and, and your love for all of us. And we lift up this last song as an offering to you as we once again center ourselves on your love. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.